0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. If you are serious about ministering in today's culture, then this episode is a must listen. Welcome, friends. I had an amazing conversation with Jackie Hill Perry this week. Jackie is a devoted Christ follower, gifted writer, preacher, poet, and a heartfelt hip-hop artist. Jackie has reached millions through her ministry, including over 1 million views on her YouTube channel. She was saved from a lifestyle of homosexuality, and she's been sharing the hope of Jesus ever since. Jackie's releasing a powerful book entitled Gay Girl, Good God, which not only beautifully tells her story of redemption, but is a practical resource for ministering to those who struggle with their sexual identity. Now, in this week's episode, Jackie shares her own experiences, and we discuss how concepts like authenticity joy, and freedom are crucial to conversations around sexual identity. We touch on ways the church could be more welcoming to those who are struggling with same-sex attraction, and then Jackie shares incredibly important insight about what she refers to as the heterosexual gospel. This is something we all need to consider and dialogue about with our leadership teams. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. So let's dive right into my conversation with Jackie Hill Perry. Jackie, so thankful you made the time to be with us today. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. Awesome. Now, Jackie, I'm excited to have you share with our pastors and ministry leaders that are listening in today, because we're going to talk about a reality that we cannot ignore in ministry. It's, it's something that's present. It's deeply tied to how individuals view themselves and the world. And as such, it's directly tied to how we live out our calling to share the hope and the love of Jesus with people. And this reality that we're going to discuss today centers around our sexual identity. Jackie, you are an artist, a poet, a writer, and as artists, we place a high value on authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. So artistry is really rooted in authenticity and the idea of being true to oneself. Jackie, can you share with us about your personal experience and how you wrestled with this idea of being true to yourself in terms of your sexual identity.
1: Yeah, I noticed when I was maybe five or six that I was um same-sex attracted. And I didn't necessarily have a name for it. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know that it meant, you know, homosexuality or lesbian or gay. I'm five, you know, I have no context for uh the affection that I was feeling. Um but when I grew up, when I was 17 is when I was like, you know what, this is how I feel. So this is what, what I'm going to do. Um, and I'm just going to act out and submit to my what I like and who I like um, until I became a believer at 19. And when the Lord snatched me up and saved me and showed me Jesus, then I I, th- I think that's when I realized how much it meant to be what it meant to be made in the image of God mm. and how me being an image bearer really is my primary identity. And that being my primary identity means that I was made for God. I think even Colossians one sixteen says that all things, including me, my body, my mind, my sexuality, my affections, all things were made through and for Christ. Um, and so I think it's difficult oftentimes to be able to understand um, that our identity isn't how we feel, mm, you know, because right, I think right. we play so much wait on well this is who i am this is how i feel right now so this is who i am but that's really dangerous i think in the world and in christ because if that's the case then all of our temptations will then begin to define who we are when our temptations shouldn't define us or cannot define us but rather it's what christ has done for us like we are defined by the work of the cross period um and so i think uh, authenticity is great but it's not ultimate. I think the ultimate thing has to be what does God's word say about who I am and how do I live in light of what he said already?
0: That's solid. And and I think that's probably one of the the, the greatest struggles, though, is that we often kind of equate our authenticity. You know, what I mean, being true to ourself mm-hmm. as as what God has put into us because God is the creator. Right. So. Right. So I, there's that tension there. That somehow if we're not, like you said, you know, this is how I feel, this is who I feel I am, right. so this is who I'm going to be, you know, it, it's almost like we're saying, well, if God created us and 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 this is how we feel, then, you know, we're kind of going against God in some way. And and, right. and and I find in a lot of my conversations that it centers around this kind of, you know, feeling of authenticity. Can you talk a little bit about how how do we— help separate those feelings of authenticity and that idea of wanting to be true to ourself and the fact that God created us with understanding who God is yeah. apart from those feelings.
1: Yeah, I, I think we were never intended to put more emphasis on how we feel Mm-mm over and above just believing what God has said. Mm. And what I mean by that is, I think when you, not not I think, but when you look at Genesis 3 and you see that when Satan tempts Eve, one of the things that she says about the tree is that the tree was desired. It looked desirable to make one wise. So here you have this word of affection Mm. where she's literally looking at this tree and feeling as if to sin against the wise God would actually make her a wise woman which was ultimately foolish. And so who, who should she have trusted? Should she have trusted her feelings about how she saw the tree or should she have trusted the word of God, which was don't touch this tree. The day you eat of it, you'll die. And so I think really it, it just, we have to, I think we have to help people think through is the, is your feeling flesh? Is your feeling true? Is your feeling Bible? at the end of the day uh, our feelings cannot govern who we should be or what we do now god has obviously given us feelings he's given us affections he's given us desires um he's given us the ability to do all of that for his glory and his glory alone um and so i think our feelings or uh, and our desires are at their they they they're the safest when anchored by faith mm. um you know what i'm saying right, and so right. i can i can, i could feel like something is true all day i could be like yeah i'm a i'm a just be me i'm gonna do <laughs> me i'm i'm gonna be my most authentic self but honestly if i'm true to if i'm honest my most authentic self is sinful
0: <laughs> right, right, I, right, right. If
1: I, if I want to be fully me. And so I can't do that. I, I have to be I have to be willing to submit that to scripture and submit that to what God has said, so that then my truest self or my freest self to my realest self is really my most godly self. Um and I think that's I think we'll experience that the most in heaven, obviously. But I think there's room and means by which we can experience that now and today.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting as you're talking uh, there were uh, a couple words that kind of leapt off the pages in, in kind of a unique way as I was reading through your book, Gay Girl, Good God. And these two words, um, and it was just kind of my own experiences as, as I was reading through it. So um, they're, they're both concepts that come from God, but we can easily distort. And mm-hmm. in many of my conversations with people struggling with sexual identity or same-sex attractiveness, these two words come up often, and it's joy and freedom. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea that there's this joy, you know, like you said, this desire. Um, but then also the the freedom, like um, oftentimes, you know, people feel like they've been keeping something a secret mm-hmm. and then they want to kind of step into this freedom. And, and they talk about this language of this being a very freeing thing, you know, when they come out and when they kind of embrace that. Can you talk with us about how you personally kind of wrestled? With the ideas of joy and the ideas of of freedom kind of in relation to how you identified sexually?
1: Yeah, and I can understand that. I can understand how um, I know when I came out to my mother initially, it did feel, feel freeing. I think it's I think we're not. We're not made for secrets. I don't think secrets Mm. feel good in the human body, to be honest with you. Um, And so I think even though it's a sinful secret, it's still a secret. And so I think coming out of the closet, there was a sense of freedom from that in a way. But I think now as a believer, I think God had to renew my mind to see that boundaries or having the commands of god are having boundaries because of the commands of god doesn't mean that i'm not free. and i, I think in the world that's how you think. freedom right. means i should do whatever i please. but if anybody even is even a parent, you understand that that's actually like obnoxious <laughs> <laughs> because when it comes to your child, if i just let my child do whatever she pleases or whatever she wants, she will kill herself. right right somehow some way she'll drink some windex, i don't know, <laughs> fall down some steps probably slice her hand up just because she thought that the knife was really nice and shiny. And so there's a level like boundaries in, in something being exclusive doesn't necessarily mean that there's no free, there's no freedom. And I say all that to say, I think for me, when I saw that, no, no, God's commands and the boundaries that he's uh, told me to live within, even as it pertains to my sexuality, do this, don't do this, be with this person, can't be with this person. When When I got back to the basics, which is that God is a good God. Then I start to recognize that all that he says is also good. So even if it feels restrictive, that doesn't mean that it's not good for me. And so if it is good for me, if I actually believe that about God and I believe that about what he says, then I think joy comes out of it because I see, oh, I'm able to enjoy the goodness of God because I'm submitting to all the good things that God has told me to do.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Now, Jackie, as you said, God is a good God. Uh, God is a redeeming God. So can you tell us just a little bit about your conversion experience?
1: Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I was in my room, and it was I was 19 at this point. It's 2008. And I didn't go to church because I didn't trust Christians. Um, my interactions with Christians were never too favorable or fun or welcoming. (laughs) So I just, I just kind of stayed doing me. Um, and I think God knew that. So he knew he had to meet me where I was. And so I was in my room, I think I was watching like MTV or something like that. And I don't know, it was just a random thought that came to my mind. And, And when the thought came to my mind, it was like, I thought about my sin and it was like, I was just immediately aware that my sin deserved death I can't really explain it it was just I'm and I sat up in my bed like what is going on like why am I thinking about this so I started to think through my sin and the consequences of my sin and I was like okay I, I, I read enough of the Bible and I've heard enough of what God has to say in his word from like Christians that this is wrong 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 and when I thought about it I thought huh if that's the case, then none of this stuff can actually be worth it. Like mm. it can't it can't be worth my soul or worth my life or worth my time. And so I kind of had a conversation with God and it seemed as if if this wasn't worth it and he's presenting himself to me now, then he must be the worthy one. He mm. must be the one that it actually is worth my time and my life and my soul and my affections. And so I just kind of believed it. You know, it was just, I saw that my sin was worthless and I saw that God was worthy. And this was obviously nothing but the spirit of God because it didn't make any sense. I'm right. not at a Bible study. I'm not at church. I haven't read the Bible since I was eight at Sunday school, but I knew that Jesus had died for sinners so that they would have life eternally. I knew John 3, 16, didn't know Romans, didn't know about atonement, atonement, justification, none of that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus saves people and I knew I didn't have the choice to believe in. And it wasn't that I was I was turning from homosexual sin. It wasn't just that. It was I was turning from all sin. Right. And in turning from all sin, um I saw that I just had to give my life to the Lord. So I, I always tell people I really didn't know that what I was doing was repentance and faith, but that's what it was.
0: And so mm, That's good now. So but you had like you said you had some some background as a child you were exposed to church, you're exposed to scripture, right? Yeah. 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 Did you, did you have people in your life as a, as a child who were kind of, you know, devoted Christ followers? Did you have that around you at all?
1: Sort of. So the first, uh, probably eight to 10 years of my life, I went to church, um, pretty much not every Sunday, but most Sundays out of a month because I was with my aunt while my mother went to church and my aunt was the only believer Kind of one of the only believers in my family um, that I was close to. And so I went to Sunday school all the time. And, I, you know, we would eat popcorn and hear about Jesus being (laughs) a lamb and Jesus dying on the cross and all of this type of stuff. But I also was able to perceive my aunt's life up and against my mother's life. And, And this is not to dishonor my mother at all. But it is to say that I saw a distinct difference in how they lived and how they engaged with people. And so it was interesting for me. Like, even, for example, I would be walking past my aunt's room and she would be she would be singing the Psalms. And as a seven year old, that's weird because the Psalms often don't rhyme. Right. I was like, why is she singing like these songs that just don't even make sense? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but that was how she delighted in God. And so I think that stayed with me all of my life that being with Jesus changes you, that yeah. like you don't act like everybody else, you don't think like everybody else, you don't talk like everybody else when you actually know God for real.
0: That's good. And you know what I love about that, Jackie, is. You know, there, there's so many people who, you know, they might have loved ones. They might have, you know, children who, you know, that, you know, they raised in the church and then they've drifted far from God and, you know, or whatever, other, other family members, good friends, whatever it might be. And, and your story, just, uh, just sharing that, you know, gives all of, all of us hope, you know, that these people that we care dearly about that, you know, those, it's, you know, those seeds that (laughs) that scripture tells Mm -hmm. us are planted in people's hearts and lives, um, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, you said something in there. You said that you know you didn't really trust Christians so much. You know, as as you're uh, growing older through your teen years, that right. um, your interactions with Christians weren't very favorable. They weren't very welcoming, and that's something that I think that we as ministers we really wrestle with because we don't want to be perceived that way. Obviously, well, mm-hmm. Jackie, from from your experiences just um, both as you're going through that through your adolescence and now as you're ministering yourself, what do we as pastors and ministry leaders really um, need to to better understand about ministering to those who are attracted um, to the same sex?
1: I think there's so much that could be understood. I think one thing that is helpful is that though the sin, the sin is distinctive— that it's not that much different than the common experience of everybody else and what i mean by that i I feel like sometimes pastors or leaders or mentors or whatever they feel as if they can't minister to this person because they don't understand Mm. but it's like if that was the standard by which we do ministry then we should never be ministering right right and so it, it has to be Though I don't understand every nuance of same sex attraction or homosexuality or lesbianism, a lesbianism, I do understand sin. I do understand pride. I do understand blindness. I do understand a uh, lust. I, I get that, and so I think to to see that we actually are on the same. What's the word? Like we're the same in many ways, and so I think that kind of that takes a lot of the pressure off to think that you have to like speak to this person specifically all of the time. Um, but also, I think one thing that I think that should be considered as a part of ministry is hospitality. Mm. There's a book by Rosaria Butterfield called um, "The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert," and the way God converted her was through a pastor inviting her into his home. He didn't invite her to church. He invited her into his home and like weekly or however often they did it, they would talk. Uh, Sometimes they would talk about faith. Sometimes they would not, but it was her being in his home and her seeing his life as well as having conversations with him is the way that God reached her specifically. And so I think if we could become people that are just I think when you read Acts, you see that so much ministry came took place in homes. People were being converted in homes. And so it can't just be church. I think right. the local church is obviously necessary and a beautiful um thing of God. But also our homes are ministry as well. And so I think being willing to invite people into your spaces um to see you, to see your to see your life, but to also just engage with them. Hey, can we have a meal? Et cetera, et cetera.
0: So no, that's but
1: it's, it's a lot of things, but that's two.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. It's helpful. And I know in your book, um, like the the final section of your book really kind of speaks to, it's, it's almost, um, cause you share your story, you share some beautiful things obviously. Um, but then you kind of get into like almost resources, like how, how to think about, um, mm-hmm. same sex attraction and, and some of these different things. And you talk about a few things specifically. Now, I was wondering if you could just touch briefly on, on each of those. You talk about same-sex attraction and identity. Yeah. You talk about same-sex attraction and endurance, and then same-sex attraction and the heterosexual gospel. Can you yeah. just kind of touch on, on those 3 forces?
1: Yeah. So with same-sex attraction and and identity, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but the temptation, uh, I think, when someone who is same-sex attracted that comes to Christ is to place their identity inside of how they feel about themselves. And so what happened is, oh, I'm tempted to lust after this person who is the same sex as me, so I must still be gay. That's That's what the person will go to when really when you look at the New Testament, God, when he converts people, they are never named or identified as their former sins. They are identified as beloved. They are identified as the children of God, as saints, um, as the church. And so that really just speaks into how we as believers, no matter the temptation, need to find our ultimate identity and who God has said of us through uh, the cross. The second one is same sex attraction and endurance, which is. Something that grieves me is that many people give up very quickly. And I think scripture says that that's going to happen, even when we look at the uh, parable of the sower. But at the same time, I think that people come to faith and may not know how hard it's going to be to actually die to sin. Um, When the scripture says, take up your cross daily and follow me. I I think we might think, oh, I'm going to just take it off and put it down. It's like, no, every single day. There's a picking up of this heavy cross and dying to something. And so for you to die to something mean that something is alive. For some of us, that's always going to be same-sex attraction. But there's a, there's a level of endurance that we need to have in being willing to persevere under the weight of our, our temptations, but recognizing that Jesus Christ endured too. And he endured because he has some joy set before him. Mm. And so if he endured, through him we also can endure Right. Um, the third one is uh, the heterosexual gospel, which is my favorite.
0: Yeah, I, I, as I read <laughs> it, it was fascinating, to be honest. I'm so glad that you included this because, I mean, really— th- this little bit is is worth the entire book. I mean, the entire book's fantastic, but yeah. it just this bit is incredible. So, so go with, go for it, sister.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I just I saw so much. Like, you know, I've seen people use me as an example for the heterosexual gospel. So, for example, what will happen is a well-meaning Christian might be speaking with someone who is an unbeliever that's same sex attracted, or a believer that the same sex attracted and struggling, and they'll say, hey. I know this girl. She has a testimony. She used to be gay, but she's married now with two children. You could be just like her if only you trust God. (laughs) And they're using me or other people or marriage in general as an example of what this person's life could be as if marriage is Jesus, as if marriage is heaven. When really the greatest joy of coming to Jesus is Jesus. And so my pushback is The gospel should not be including all of these promises that are not uh, promises of regeneration. When I get saved, I have Jesus. I have new life. I have eternal life. I have brothers and sisters in the faith that I can do life with. Marriage is not promised in that and if it's not there should be joy if it is there should be joy because the heterosexual or the person who is same-sex attracted but living a heterosexual life because they're married they are glorifying to god and the person who is same-sex attracted in submitting their sexual attractions to the lord and living a life of celibacy they are just as glorifying to god uh as the other and so the heterosexual gospel says let's keep the gospel the gospel which is you come to Jesus for Jesus. Mm. And while you're in it, you're going to be kept by Jesus, not marriage. Um,
0: so. That's good. And, th- and I think that's so true because, um, you know, when the statements you, – you make a pretty bold statement actually to begin that chapter. You say God isn't calling gay people to be straight. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and when – when honestly, that was a great sentence because I was like, bam, what? You know what I mean <laughs> when I read it? and <laughs> And it's so important, I think – for us to understand that the redemption of our lives, we all have things that we struggle with. We all have, you know, sin that has held us back and, and the redemption that God brings and the forgiveness from that sin isn't something that, like you said, necessarily means, okay, if it's, you know, same sex attractiveness specifically, you know, that suddenly you're going to be you know, you're going to get married. You're going to have that right. family. Everything else, you know, it's, it's the reality. Is you're being saved from your sin to Jesus, yep. and and I think that's so critical. And you talk about um, same sex attracted Christians, um, yep. people who are who are following Jesus Christ, and yet that uh, attraction, same sex attraction, is is something that is still. Uh, something that they rest with, something that they have to submit to the spirit, right? And submit to God on a regular basis, just like anyone else has their own temptations (laughs) that they have to submit. Why do you think it is we have so much trouble, you know, just understanding that as another sin and another struggle, (laughs) as opposed to like making it something that is so much different than all of the other you know, sins and struggles and challenges that people face?
1: I'm not really sure. I'm sure there's some spiritual reason behind that. I'm sure uh, culture is to blame in many ways, the way that uh, historically people that were gay were treated. It was always treated as really strange and really other. Mm. Um, And I, I think that the one reason could be is that gayness or lesbianism or whatever I said in the book, it's a really loud sin, and what I mean by loud, it's it's not like lying. Somebody could be a liar, and you wouldn't even know it. Neither, and usually liars aren't proud about it. They don't have parades, you know. <laughs> they're, they're, it's it's not like a lying convention. It's not these things that that make it so out outside or loud. Yeah. But I think with, with gayness, a lot of times it governs how the person speaks. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes how they walk, how they dress, who they hang with, how they, Uh, converse or engage with other people. And so I think because it's so obvious and so loud, I think some people just don't know what to do with it or how to do with it. But I just would not be surprised if on the spiritual end of things, I really do believe that we have demons and that we have a devil Mm -hmm. and that he hates the gospel and he hates love and he hates grace, that if he could move people to believe that this person's sin is worse than mine, or this person's sin is strange and weird as if my lust and my adultery or my lying is not abominable to God as well. If he can do that, then I think he can make Christians and the church be a little more self-righteous than they ought to be. Thus, love not as obvious as it should be. And if that's the case, then obviously the gospel is not seen or heard or believed. Mm. So that's just me being spiritual and deep. But I, I wouldn't be
0: surprised. Uh Jackie, what What would you suggest to to churches, you know pastors and ministry leaders, to, to churches themselves, how can they be more welcoming to people who are struggling with uh, their sexual identity?
1: I think one is that I think we have to begin to reframe eva- evangelism and this whole concept of welcoming people into our space. We need to reframe it in such a way where it isn't centered around a person's sexuality. Because I think when you engage with somebody just on the basis of their sexuality, then you somehow buy into the lie that that's the center of their personhood when that's not the case. And so I don't want to deal with you just because you're gay. or I don't want to deal with you just about your gayness. I want to deal with you as a human being made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And so you being an image bearer, there is so much more to you than who you like or who you're attracted to. There is a, a family that you came from. There are hurts, there are worries, there are desires. Um, yet we need to get to the point where in my loving you as an image bearer, I wanna point you back to the one whose image you are made in. And so I think that would be helpful is that when when someone comes into our churches, our homes, or, in our, or even our family members, we don't think, oh, I have to somehow get to Romans 1 every single time I talk to them. <laughs> I just somehow have to get to 1 Corinthians 6 when we've forgotten that Genesis 1 exists too. And so that would be good. Is that I think people need to see that there's so much more than their sexuality to Jesus.
0: Yeah, that, that's good. It's helpful, Jacqueline. Um, what, what about um, a conversation with someone who has um, grown up in the church And has come to a point, um, you know, as a young adult, perhaps, and they say, hey, you know what, the reality is, you know, same sex, I've had the same attraction to the same sex, I've been suppressing it, I love God, you know what I mean? I grew up in church, I love God, but I think that I need to um, step into this lifestyle. What would you say to someone who is going through that experience?
1: I would ask a lot of questions, but for the sake of this podcast, (laughs) um, (laughs) I would point them to the truth that that won't make you happy. Mm -hmm. That won't make you whole living according to the flesh will never give you anything but death. And I would have to explain that. I know it doesn't feel that way. It death often doesn't feel like death. It doesn't taste like death. It doesn't look like death. It looks like I love her. It looks like I love him. We enjoy each other. They're comfortable to me. They, they make me feel good. Um, but I think that's what deception does to us is that it makes us believe that lesser things are worthy of our life. But faith says, even though it feels good, even though it looks good, I have to believe the scriptures. And when the scripture says, do not be deceived, that these kind this kind of behavior, to practice it, means... I will not inherit the kingdom of God. I have to believe that even if it doesn't feel true. But I also have to believe that greater is He that is in me, that is in the world. Mm. And so if I am a believer, if I am filled with the Spirit of God, I don't have to give in even if I want to. Um and so there is power. Um, to be had and trust in God, there is power to see that if he rose from the grave, then I can too. And I can continue to do so. I can continue to leap over this flesh and over my dead body because God is alive. And so I think I would just walk them through the gospel and its implications, but also really try to affirm. And what I say by affirm, affirm the desire, not as being true, but as being real. Right. Yet at the same time, expose it as though it's real and it exists. It's still a lie.
0: Oh, no, so, that's good. That's, yeah. that's good, Jackie. Thank you so much. Now, um, real quick, before we before we wrap up, your new book, "Gay Girl," good God. If you could have anything happen from someone reading that book uh, and even just you know hearing your story, mm. what would you hope happens?
1: I want truly 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 i want everybody to see god rightly mm. i just i just want them to walk away from the book seeing jesus and by seeing jesus believing jesus as a believer or unbeliever cuz even as believers we believe him but there's so much more to know and so i think uh that's what i want
0: awesome awesome sister man we certainly appreciate you taking the time to be with us, with us here on the podcast and jackie if Listeners want to connect with you and your ministry and, and what's going on. How, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, everything is the same. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is Jackie Hill Perry, um, and my website is JackieHillPerry.com.
0: Awesome, sister. Thank you again so much for being with Thank us. You. We certainly uh, appreciate you sharing your your story and uh, encouraging us how, how we can learn from that and uh, how we can you know really extend the hope and the truth of Christ, the love of Jesus many, many more. So thank you for taking the time to be with us. God bless you, sister. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available For both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.